What's good, everybody? Good to see everybody. Oh, my goodness. I got everyone flowing in right now from TikTok, from IG. Um, it's good to see you all. So glad you guys are all here. If you are here, if you are here for the first time, this is the Read and Rant. And what we do here is we commit to uh, about 20 to 30 minutes in the reading of the word. And then we commit another 20 to 30 uh, minutes to just reflect on the word. We call this the read and rant because I've got nothing prepared. I'm just here to spend time in reflection and meditation of God's word. And so I encourage you all as you come to join me to go ahead and turn your Bibles to the book of Matthew. We just kicked off our journey through the New Testament, our journey through the New Testament, sorry. And, um, and so this is our second time around. Uh, we've done this before. We've journeyed through the New Testament before. Hey, Jason, good to see you, brother. Man, I haven't heard from you in a minute. Good to see you, bro. Um, and so now we're journeying again through the Old Testament. And so I look forward to connecting with you all. I got my Discord family on as well. If you are here for the first time and you're looking to connect with us, connect with our community, please join our Discord community. They're actually lit right now. All that clicking you hear, all those sounds you hear is our Discord community getting getting lit right now. And so we're excited to spend time in the reading of the word. Um, do we read the entire New Testament, including Paul's epistles? Absolutely. Uh, we include Paul's epistles. Isn't Matthew the New Testament? Um, actually, uh, that's a that's an interesting question that you asked. Don't get me started. <laughs> uh, don't get me started. The actual New Testament begins. The book of Matthew, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Those are what we call the Gospels, which chronicle the life and the ministry of Jesus on earth earth. Um, <clears throat> however, the New Testament really begins at the death and resurrection of Jesus, but we read through the book of Acts. That's right. We read through the book of Acts because that's the story of the church. We read through Paul's epistles, Paul's letters uh, to the churches, and we read First uh, um, uh, Peter, Second Peter, First um, John, Second John, Third John. We read all of that, and we're going to read all of that. So, I look forward to spending time with you guys and journeying with you guys through the New Testament again. We've read through the entire Old Testament, and now we're going to be reading through the New Testament. And I look forward to going on this journey with you as we begin to see resolution. Um, I want to open up and, and just say this is not a Bible study. OK, this is not a Bible study. This is just a reading of Scripture. Uh, we prayerfully ask three things as we read the word. God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? That's the first question we ask. The second question we ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? And the third question we ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? That's all we're here to do. We're here to spend time in his word, to hear from him, and to allow the Holy Spirit to convict us, to correct us, to exhort us, to encourage us, to build us up, to um, give us our daily bread. And so that's what we're going to pray into today as we spend time in the reading of the word. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for the privilege that you've given us all to come together here to read your word. Father, we pray today as we read this that, Lord, you would speak to us today, that you would give us insight and clarity, that you would um, Lord, uh, provide to us what we need for this day today. We depend on you. We rely upon you. We believe in you. We trust in you. And Father, we anticipate what you will do in this time that we spend together today. We say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. I mean, sorry, let's read. Jesus, it's, it's early this morning. Golly. Let's read, y'all. <clears throat> and let's see where the Holy Spirit takes us. We're reading from Matthew chapter five, and it says this, and seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, 
for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all those who are in the house. Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your God in heaven. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or tittle will by no means pass from the law, till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of these commandments and teaches men shall be called least and teach, sorry, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with your brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on your way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge and the judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Again, you have heard it. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your hand, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no be no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, 
not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and on those who are unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. (laughs) Chapter 6. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men, to be seen by men. Otherwise, have no re- otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you that you have your, that they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corner of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your father knows the things you have need of before you even ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. It will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our, us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head. Wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Verse 19, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroyers, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Verse 24, no one can serve two masters, 
for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Verse 25. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Which of you be, sorry, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of those. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into an oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. <laughs> Therefore, do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows that you need these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow, worry about its own things sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's read one more chapter. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye? But do not consider the plank in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me, let me remove the speck from your eye. And look, a plank is in your own eye, hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Hmm. Verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in it in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather gates, sorry, grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears fruit, but every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my father in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we have not prophesied in your name, cast out demons, sorry, 
Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Oh, Lord. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on a rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. And it was so. When Jesus had ended these sayings, that the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. As one having authority and not as the scribes. Um, it is a privilege to do this with you guys. I want to preface by saying that it is a privilege to do this with you guys. This is not a Bible study. Um, I know some people are mentioning it and are asking, well, what is this? Is this a Bible study? It is not a Bible study. For those of you who are live, this is a reading. We call this the read and rant. We spend about 20 minutes reading the word and then we spend another 20 to 30, 20 to 30 minutes reading word. And then we spend another 20 to 30 minutes just reflecting on the word. And the whole purpose of this time that we spend together is that together, will actually journey through the whole Bible. There are folks who've been with us since Genesis, who've read through the entire Old Testament with us, and we took a little hiatus, and now we're back and we're reading through the New Testament. And as I had mentioned yesterday, that the, um, that the Old Testament leaves us in attention. It leaves us in attention uh, of Israel's aspiration, Israel's story. One of the things that you'll see about Israel's story, as I mentioned yesterday, and I want to just quickly remind you that Israel's story is one that um, that anticipates a better future. Israel's story is a perspective. It is a seeing and a dreaming and a believing for what is to come. Israel looks back to see what God has done. And in looking back and seeing what God has done, it compels them to look forward to what God will continue to do. It's that if he did it before, he will do it again. If God has done it before, this is Israel's belief. If God has done it before, then God will do it again. I think it's really important for me to mention this because often when we look back, we find ourselves with what I would call spiritual amnesia. Our spiritual amnesia is, is that we forget often the things that God has done, not realizing that the things that God has done is what gives us confidence in the now for the things that God will do. Too many of us are so consumed with our present moment our present challenges, our present pain, our present circumstances, that we fail to realize that we would have never been here if it had not been for the grace of the Lord. I'm sure there's some folks in here who will testify to this and say, if it wasn't for God who was on my side, I wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for the grace of God, and maybe you're not there. Maybe you're like, man, I'm not really believing in all that. And I don't know if I'm where you're at, but there's something deep down in your soul that says to you, I know I didn't get this, get, get here on my own. Like there's something in you deep down inside that speaks to you and says to you, no, God got me here. There's some folks in here, maybe you're not ready for that kind of language. You're not ready to give God credit for where you are, but you know, deep down inside, something else has gotten me here. There's no way I could have gotten to where I am on my own. There's no way I would have gotten to this place 
if it had not been for some greater or higher power. Those of us who trust in God and believe in God know it's God that got us there. Israel, unlike many of the other nations, saw the story of their lives, knowing that God miraculously brought them there. Knew that God was the only reason for their existence. And so now Israel sees the story, but Israel also knows that where they are isn't it either. Israel knows that we have not arrived yet because we're not where we ought to be. Israel not only saw the miracles that God had done, but Israel also knew the promises of God. And Israel knew that they weren't living out and experiencing and enjoying the promise of God. I always hear all this tension that people find themselves in where they say, well, where's this thing that God said he was going to do in my life? You know, when was Jesus going to come back? You heard that one? When, when, when will Jesus come back? We've been sitting here, waiting here, waiting for Jesus. <laughs> there are folks right now who know exactly what I'm talking about. Folks who will say, man, I'm so tired of waiting. I'm tired. Everybody's been telling me that I'm going to get my breakthrough and God's going to turn this thing around for me. And folks will say, man, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and I ain't seen a single thing. I ain't seen the promises of God. I'm sure there are folks who are saying that right now, looking at their present moment. Looking at their present situation, looking at their present circumstance. And they're saying to themselves, man, I ain't waiting no more. I'm moving on. The difference between Israel and us, many of us, is that Israel waited and waited and waited. Israel waited from generation to generation to generation to generation, and Israel didn't stop waiting. Israel waited and waited and waited to see their story come into fruition. And what Matthew does in his letter is Matthew is bringing to light that everything that Israel was waiting for is a, has been fulfilled and accomplished in this man whose name is Jesus Christ. This man, Jesus, is the fulfillment of the promises of God for Israel. Now, sometimes when we look at Jesus and we hear the story of Jesus, we make Jesus something that he isn't. We sometimes... Um, we, we, we think of Jesus as this sort of abstract idea or this uh, um, uh, uh, formulation of whatever fits, whatever our needs are in the moment. We're, re we're ready to shout out Jesus when we need help. We're ready to shout out Jesus when we find ourselves in distress. We're ready to shout out Jesus when, you know, we're in need of him. Jesus is so much more than the person who supplies our needs. He is the story and the fulfillment of our lives. Jesus is the fulfillment. What Matthew is, is saying and what Matthew is articulating in his letter is how Jesus in this gospel, in this story, in this narrative is a fulfillment. He's the fulfillment of. Israel's desire, Israel's hopes and dreams. We end Malachi with Israel repenting of what got them there, but also hopeful for where they would go, knowing and waiting for this, 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 this king, this Messiah, this person who would bring Israel to restoration and that Israel would finally receive freedom. And yet now at this point and in this moment, Israel is under captivity. Israel is under Roman captivity. Israel has not seen the promises of God. Israel has not seen freedom, but Israel has seen freedom before. Israel finds themselves in captivity, but they've seen that also before. Israel remembered their story when they were in Egypt. Israel remembered when they went through the Red Sea. Israel remembered when they came out of the Red Sea, slaves to free. Israel remembers this and and now Matthew is reminding them that Jesus is the fulfillment of Israel's story. 
Jesus is ushering a new era, the kingdom of God. Jesus is ushering a new dispensation, the kingdom of God. Jesus is ushering a new time and a new era, a new people, a new culture, a new story, a fulfillment of the story. And Matthew is articulating this to us. Matthew is, um, I know sometimes when people, people look at the book of Matthew, I think people look at the book of Matthew and they'll say, well, you know, they, they look at it as some guy who actually just sat down and just kind of, you know, said, okay, page one, and just sort of just wrote it through and then wrote chapter one and then wrote chapter two and then wrote chapter three and then wrote chapter four and then wrote chapter five, you know, and then <laughs> continuing to write chapter to chapter to chapter. I think that's a lot. That's the way a lot of people look at how the Bible was written when the Bible wasn't written that way. Um, so when people think of the book of Matthew, they think like this guy named Matthew sat down and just wrote down and then, you know, finished the book and ended the book and it's done. When the book of Matthew is really a compilation, it is oral. It, it, this is this is the fulfillment or the, not the fulfillment, but the completion. I can say fulfillment as well, but the completion of a series of oral traditions, stories that were being passed down from generation to the next generation. 30 years after Jesus had resurrected and ascended, people were talking and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. And yet there was no book. There was no Matthew. Isn't that interesting, y'all, fam? How we had a church that blew up and exploded without a Bible. I just think, just think about that for a moment. The church of Jesus Christ exploded without a Bible. Blew up with no gospel, with no Matthew, with no Mark, with no Luke, with no John, with no Acts, none of that. The church blew up because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and a demonstration of the grace and the power of God. And so for 30 years, these people were sharing the message of Jesus. These people were communicating the message of Jesus. These people were articulating to others the message of Jesus, proclaiming Christ. Many even died for the proclamation of Christ. And then afterwards, they began to compile these teachings together to form what we see in the first book in the New Testament as the gospel according to Matthew. And really the focus of this particular compilation, this particular compilation is the living out, sorry, or the, the, the manifestation of God's story through God's people, through Israel in the life of Jesus Christ. Did y'all hear this? <laughs> and so I say, who is this white woman named Jesus that you speak of? <laughs> if only Jesus was white. <laughs> you, you got it wrong. He's not a woman. He's a, he was a man and he wasn't white. So I don't know where you got that from. Apparently you don't read the Bible. Um, so if you, if you see up to this point, and it's what I spoke about yesterday is how Jesus lived out the story of Israel and how Matthew was highlighting this. Then we get to chapter five, where Jesus begins to proclaim the ushering of the kingdom of God and what that looks like. When people talk about the kingdom of God, Generally speaking, people will talk about the kingdom of God like it's, I don't know, some kind of uh, government. Um, when the people talk about the kingdom of God, um, Mike said, huh, the whole Bible takes place in the, in the Middle East. <laughs> but somehow Jesus is white. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Like, help me out here. <laughs> Everything that happened in the Bible happened in, in, in the Middle East, in North Africa and and uh, West Asia and obviously the Mediterranean region. But somehow Jesus is white. I, I don't understand when people come to me with that stuff. Um, basic logic. I, I don't want to go off. Because I want to encourage you today. So I, I'm trying to, I, I'm going to keep my composure before I, uh, <laughs> before I snap. <laughs> All right. I'm going to keep my composure, fam. Um, cause, cause yeah, I've, I've, I've been known to, to snap at times. So <laughs> I'm coming back. I'm coming back. <laughs> yeah. Um, stop it, Gary. <laughs> stop it. Um, yeah, um, you know, I, I will say one thing is, and, and and I'm only saying this because I want to encourage um, Sean because you know I see you're on here and I know you're 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 giving a whole bunch of stuff that's just not true. I want to make sure you understand this, and this is important because there are a lot of folks here, and I'm going to speak on behalf of Sean. Okay, I'm going to speak on behalf of Sean. Um. There is a history that we fail to account when we talk about the Christian movement in the West. Christianity in the West has been driven and influenced by imperialism, more specifically, white imperialism. So when when folks who look like me hear about how we share the Bible, sometimes they will look at us and say that we're living in ignorance because somehow sharing the Bible means to them that we have ignored the history of how this very Bible was used to oppress black people. And I think there are those of us who, because I see people in the chat who sometimes come after guys um, like Sean. And there are people in the, in the chat that come after other folks who come this way. And, and they're also speaking out of ignorance. And so I want to make sure, especially um, for those who are white or for those who are, are not even in the United States. So the black folk who come sometimes on here to say some of the things that they that they say, it some it confuses even people who are in Africa or people who are in the East. We have a global movement here. And so sometimes they get confused, like, where is this white Jesus thing coming from? Where the white Jesus thing is coming from is from a lot of undealt, un, sorry, unaddressed pain, oppression, and suffering that many have experienced in the United States. And so it's really, really important that we also are sensitive to the fact that the propagation of slavery was driven by the white church. And there was a whitewashed, white-toned Christianity that was being influenced and propagated not only in the United States, but also to be forced upon black slaves. So they will then, in response, say that because of racism and because of how closely intertwined it has been with the white church, many folks see a movement away from Christianity as a movement towards freedom, liberty, because it was the very thing that was used, the Bible was used to oppress them. So to be free, we walk away from the Bible, not realizing that the Bible was misread, the Bible was misappropriated, the Bible was pushed, and it wasn't the Bible that was being taught. It was little sections of the Bible that were being taught and propagated to enslave black people. Here's the thing though, is if we're going to talk about the history of Christianity in America and the history of slavery in Christianity in America, we need to give the entire history because you can take a piece of history and put another piece and then all of a sudden, 
Oh, Sean, <laughs> Sean said, I was just kidding. You got me started. Anyway, I'm doing this for somebody else because somebody else needs to hear this, right? So this is so important that we, 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 we address this because there are folks who are listening right now and what they're seeing is, is they're seeing an ignorant black man reading the Bible. Let's just, I'm sorry if I take this, this, this little detour real quick, but we got to talk about this, right? We got to talk about this, that there, that what they, what, what, what a lot of black folks see when they see a black man like me reading and preaching the scripture is they see someone who's ignorant and is living in darkness is allowing white propaganda to influence them. Does everybody understand where I'm coming from? Okay. Sean, you're bringing up the Vatican museum and you're bringing up the Vatican museum has nothing to do with the way the Christian movement. You understand that this was centuries later. The Christian movement was actually propagated in Africa. <laughs> the Christian movement was pushed in Africa. The scriptures are filled with people who are people of color. So to call Christianity the white man's religion is actually a matter of ignorance as well, because it isn't the full story and it isn't the big picture. So that's all to say, fam, is if we're going to bring truth to power, we have to bring the whole story. And the whole story, even when it came to slavery in America, that the slavery movement was also driven by the church. The liberation of the slavery movement, sorry, was also driven by the church. When you, when you hear the stories of the great slave rebellions, when you hear the story of the liberation of slaves in America, you're going to see that what happened was there were some black folk who actually learned how to read. And when they went and read through the whole Bible, they began to see the true message of the gospel, which then empowered them to seek out their liberty and their liberation. Do not think for one moment that the Bible was, well, that the Bible oppresses black people. As a matter of fact, it was the Bible that was used to liberate black people. So I'm just, I just want to make sure that we, we speak into all that. By the way, for folks who are here, I want you to understand how microscopic your perspective is on this because your point of view is absolutely confusing to anyone who's outside of the United States because they don't know our history. They don't know how the scriptures were used to oppress Matter of fact, some of the purest forms of the Christian movement can be found today in Africa. The expansion of the Christian church. It, you could say the Christian church started in Jerusalem. It blew up in Africa and West Asia. Christianity is not a white man's religion. And to call Christianity a white man's religion is a matter of profound profound ignorance. Notice, I did not say stupidity. I don't believe any folks who argue this are stupid. I believe they've been given false information. And I'll say one last thing about it, and then I'm going to close and encourage y'all because I got to go in a few minutes. But I want to say one last thing about it is, is that if you're going to expose the lies, because there have been many lies that the white church has propagated on black people, if you're going to expose the lies, don't Fight and contest against a lie with a lie. Bringing a lie in does not make the lie better. Lying on a lie just makes it more of a lie. Lying on a lie just makes it more demonic. Okay? <laughs> so let's not do that either. I'm sorry. I, I got a little lit. But it's all in love. And I want to make sure everybody understands this. Is that there's a lot of folks... There's a lot of folks here who are profoundly hurt. And I think this is the one thing that we haven't done in America. We haven't addressed this in America. We actually haven't addressed some of the sins of our nation and haven't really confronted it. We want to move on from those sins, but guess what? They keep creeping back up. They keep creeping back up. And until we actually address the sins of our nation, we won't find true reconciliation. We won't. OK, um, anyway, I find that a lot of these uh, Hebrew Israelite movements and these 
um, you know, all of it. I, I don't even want to get into all of it, but all these movements, these these black Jesus movements or these um, this Christianity, these white man's religion movements, all these movements, um, they're all movements to actually further oppress black people. Okay, they, they further oppress black people. And if you would read through your entire Bible, you would know what the work that Jesus Christ did, the work that he accomplished, if you really read through the book of Revelation, is one of reconciliation, not one of division, but one of bringing all people to one in him. The true testament of the kingdom of God and the coming of Jesus Christ is when black folk and white folk, men and women, all treat each other with dignity and respect, love one another and care for one another, to be one with one another. The fact that we have nations and we're divided by lines is all evidence that we're still waiting for the coming of Jesus Christ. But when Jesus Christ establishes his throne on earth, all nations will come together under the banner of Jesus Christ. White, black, Latino, um, Asian, Russian, German, all of us will come together and be one in him. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. We are all one and all of the same family. Even the racists will come to know Jesus. And when they come to know Jesus, they will see their black brothers and their white sisters and their black sisters and their white brothers will all see each other as one in Jesus Christ. You know the Holy Spirit is doing work in you when you begin to see less about where someone comes from and more about the spirit of God that is in them. And if you and if you hear a gospel that divides, it is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the gospel of Satan. If you see a gospel that makes men better than women, it is the gospel of Satan. If you see a gospel that makes white folk better than black folk, it is the gospel of Satan. If you see a gospel that somehow makes black folk better than white folk, it is the gospel of Satan. If you see a gospel that celebrates your culture over, over, over another culture, it is the gospel of Satan. If you see a gospel that celebrates your denomination over another, it is the gospel of Satan. If you celebrate a gospel that glorifies your race, your ethnicity, your sexuality, whatever it is about your identity apart from your identity in Christ, it is the gospel of Satan. It is the, it, the scriptures literally tell us that it is the anti-Christ. Anything other than Christ is the anti-Christ. Christ. And your first rubric is when you go to a church and they're more Republican than they're Christian, gospel is Satan. I didn't say that Republicans can't be Christian. There are plenty of Republicans that are Christians. Many of them are Christians, but there are plenty of Democrats that are Christians. And just because you disagree on a political position does not separate you from the body of Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, y'all. I got a little too lit. I just, I just, I just burned a whole bunch of time. I just burned a whole bunch of time, but I want to make sure I understand because I, 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 my frustration is because I love, I love my brothers. I love my brothers and my sisters. And sometimes it, it, it pains me to see it. It pains me to see it because what you'll also notice is that a lot of brothers and sisters, they don't have the joy of the Lord. They have the anger of the devil. These are the measures by which we know if we have been filled with the spirit of God. That's why I see some, even I see some quote unquote good theology people who sit around and talk about how their, their doctrine is better than everybody else. And I look at them and I go, bro, you mad? Why are you mad? You're so angry. Nobody wants that. Scripture tells us that it's the joy of the Lord that's our strength. You ain't got no joy. You're just angry. That is not attractive. 
It is not. It doesn't aspire to anything, hope for anything, believe in anything. And yet this is what being one in Christ is. This is what faith in Christ is. And I'm glad. I'm glad I have come to the light. <laughs> we talked about this kingdom of God thing. Right? We, we, we've had conversations about this kingdom of God thing. That the kingdom of God is not a government. The kingdom of God is not, uh, it's not the United States. Please know the kingdom of God is not the European Union. The kingdom of God is not one of military might. The kingdom of God is not one of political influence. Definitely not the EU. <laughs> the kingdom of God is not one of economic prowess and power. The kingdom of God is not those who have the most money, the most power. That's not actually what the kingdom of God looks like. And as Israel is waiting for this kingdom of God, Jesus or the Christ, the Messiah to rule on the throne, they're waiting to see this Jesus. And this is what Matthew is doing. Jesus, what he's showing is how Jesus comes to usher in this kingdom. And here, on a mountain. I love this image and I didn't get enough time. So y'all will just talk more about it tomorrow. But, but this is a powerful image that we read from chapter five through chapter seven. Okay. Notice here that we talked about Jesus. He goes to Egypt, illegal immigrant. That's why if we have a way we feel about illegal immigrants, you would have a way that you would feel about Jesus. Can I say that one more time? If you have a way that you feel about immigrants, then you would have a way you feel about Jesus. Jesus spent the early part of his life as an illegal immigrant. So next time you see an illegal immigrant, look at him and see Jesus. He leaves Bethlehem. Canaan, the promised land, and goes to Egypt in the same way that Israel left Canaan and went to Egypt. He stayed in Egypt for many years, his adolescent years, and then he came back. In the same way that Israel left Egypt, and came back. Notice here the alignment of the story. And when he came back, before he went into the wilderness, he was baptized so that he can fulfill all righteousness because Jesus was living out the story of Israel. Israel left Egypt and was baptized in the Red Sea, leaving an illegal status to a legal status, leaving slavery into a new identity, leaving corruption and to be glorified. This is the story of Israel and Jesus is living it out. And after Israel gets baptized, Israel goes into the wilderness and now Jesus goes into the wilderness to be tempted. Israel then enters back into the land that was promised to them. But while they're in the wilderness, Israel meets God at Mount Sinai. Moses goes up into the mountain and there in the mountain, Moses is given the law and Moses comes down from the mountain with the law. Notice the narrative that we see here in the book of Matthew, that Matthew is dramatizing the story of Israel through the life of Jesus. I don't know if anybody's seen that before. But but he's dramatizing the story of Israel through the life of Jesus. That's really the purpose of Matthew, by the way. Is <laughs> to reveal to Israel that Jesus is the fulfillment of Israel's story. <laughs> 
I'm going to keep saying that over and over again because I need you to hear that. And now as, 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 as Israel steps into this new identity, Israel receives the law, how God wants Israel to live. By the way, the law wasn't for us. The law was for Israel, how God wanted Israel to live. God gave Israel a law after Moses goes up the mountain. This time around, Jesus goes up a mountain. Did y'all just catch the alignment? And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and he taught them. So when Israel came down with the law, this time the word comes down and speaks. God comes down and meets Israel at this mountain. And now God gives them a new law. As a matter of fact, what does Jesus do? Jesus, ta- Jesus teaches to them and tells them what the kingdom of God looks like. The kingdom of God is not governments, powerful economies. Kingdom of God is not all of that. The kingdom of God are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are they who mourn, right? Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger. You read all that. You see the kingdom of God coming into fruition. This is what it looks like to be God's government. That's why it can't be a political ideal. It can't be a nation. It's a, it's a, it's a, It's a generation. It's a people. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is all. Notice, that's why he starts with the kingdom of heaven. And notice that the uh, the Beatitudes ends with the kingdom of heaven. I don't have enough time to go through all of it. But notice, as he's breaking it down, he's showing them what the fulfillment of the law looks like. He, He shows them what the fulfillment of God's law looks like. Because over here, they've been trying to follow God's law. Jesus came to fulfill God's law. And so as Jesus fulfills God's law, he says to them, I know you read, do not murder, but I say to you, I know you read this in the law. Remember the previous time when Moses came down from the mountain, but I'm coming to give you more insight. Jesus was trying to communicate to them that the rules are not the center of all of this. Yes, you heard this, but I say. Yes, you heard this, but I say. Yes, who you heard this, but I say. Maybe we miss this, y'all. Jesus is trying to tell Israel. Jesus is communicating to these people who are astounded by his teaching that this is not about the rules you follow. This is about the posture of your heart. You cannot murder someone and still be hateful towards them. You missed it. You cannot commit adultery, but you can imagine it and still do it in your heart. You missed it. And Jesus what he was saying in the fulfillment of the law is, is I didn't come for you just to follow a bunch of rules. I came so that your heart can be transformed and changed. Actually, the rules don't matter if your heart has been aligned to me. As a matter of fact, all the rules that Israel's broken up to this point, I came to fulfill them. So notice Jesus, the word fulfill is all over the book of Matthew because what Jesus is doing is he's living out the story that Israel could not live out. He's living out each and every one of our stories that we could not live out. Jesus is doing what we could not do and he's accomplishing all these things. And if we would trust in him, then his spirit would live in us and we can do what he does. Jesus is saying, you've got to submit and your heart needs to be transformed. I didn't come today to impose rules on you. And often many of you read even Jesus's 
teaching here, his Sermon on the Mount. This is not one sermon. This is a compilation of teachings that they brought together and put it all here in one piece. Some people think that Jesus sat on a mountain <laughs> and just spit all these out in one sermon. No, this is actually, a, you could call it the, the greatest hits of Jesus' teachings. Um, so don't read that wrong. But some of you are still reading it like this and saying, okay, I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to do this. I need to do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. And you're missing it. You're missing it. What Jesus is saying, if you get anything from all of this, it's not the rules. It's your heart. It's not the rules. It's your heart. It's not the rules, it's your heart. And what the rules could not do, trusting in me will do. What the rules can't change in you, trusting in me will change you. Some of us are trying to change for God when he's saying, no, trust in me and let my spirit do the changing in you. The law has come down. The word has come down. And now the mountain speaks and says, whoever hears these sayings of mine, chapter seven, verse 24, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain descended. Ready for this? Your transformation of heart, the work that God does for you, will prepare you for what is to come. And we're going to begin to see how Jesus lives this out. All the stuff you see here that you read in chapter five through seven, this is what Jesus is going to live out from eight all the way till the end. Matthew is about the fulfillment of, of God's story, the fulfillment of Israel's story, the fulfillment of God's story through Israel. God's doing the work and Jesus is living it out so that those who trust in him can live it out through him. So let's trust him today. Let's rely on him today. Let's put our trust in him. Stop fighting. Stop resisting. Stop pushing. Stop pressing. Some of us are pressing and trying to make ourselves something that we cannot be on our own. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So trust him with all of yourself. Give it all up to him. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you today, Lord, that we can have the confidence in your strength. We can have the confidence in your spirit to know, Lord, that you are in control. And Father, through you, we can do all things. So Father, remind us today, Lord, that you are with us, that you never leave us, nor do you forsake us. We bless your name today in all that we do, and we pray that we would glorify you in everything that we do today. And we say that in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, family. Love you guys. Got to go. If you want to support this ministry in any way, join our Patreon community. It's patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. I want to encourage you to do that. We need your support to make this thing a reality. We've got a vision for things that we want to do and we want to continue to grow and want to continue to move forward. And I'm grateful for all of you who are in our Discord community. All you with the red, with the orange names, I man, I'm so grateful for you because you guys have supported us and supported our ministry along the way. I love my Discord family. Love all of y'all on Discord. So I want to encourage you, if you're here, join our Discord community, discord.gg slash opusfrayer. We have Bible studies on Sunday nights as well, only on Discord. And we have prayers on Tuesdays and Thursdays on Discord only. I love y'all. I love y'all. Even the ones who come at me, I love y'all. 
some of y'all come hard and you that doesn't change how I feel about y'all because I've been where you're at. I'll make sure y'all know that. Um, if you see I come a certain way, sometimes I'm, I'm reacting to what happened when I lived in ignorance. <laughs> I'm reacting to that. And also, I know the pain of, of you know, experiencing um, um, that kind of revelation to realize, man, I've been fed a lot of lies. Um, I know what that feels like. So um, I'm sensitive, man. I'm sensitive. I love y'all. I love y'all. Um, and and I agree. We should all go feed the homeless, Sean. Absolutely. Um, and and for those of you who don't know, Sean's 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 I I, I like Sean, actually. <laughs> I love you, brother. I really do. And I love all of y'all. Um, I don't I don't stop loving y'all. You guys are amazing. You guys are awesome. And I got the joy of the Lord. And I look forward to doing more of this with you all. My passion, my desire, my desire for you guys is to actually not depend on me. I want you, you can start here, but I want to release y'all. I want you guys to go and to move in the power of God. I want you guys to go and to move in the grace, the love um, of God. I want you to bring faith, hope, and love to where you work, live, and play. That is my passion. That is my desire Man, I love y'all, and I want to see you guys empowered by the grace of God. So, y'all, just know we're getting started, but I know I'm doing well when I can release you. <laughs> I know I've done well when you don't need me. Like, there's a point where you go, well, I, I got everything I need to get out of this guy. I can move on. I've done well. I'm on my own. I've done well. All right? Um, and so I hope to continue to empower you. If you can stay and stick around for me to encourage you, I'd love that too. Um, but, uh, but I look forward to continue to empower you guys and to inspire you guys and to encourage you guys. And so definitely join our discord community and support on Patreon. This, that's why I can do this. The reason why I can do this in the mornings, you know, I'm like Tommy, I ain't got no job. <laughs> stop. Uh, you ain't got no job, Tommy. Well, you guys gave me something to do. <laughs> so I love y'all. And it's it's you guys that make this all possible. So God bless you guys. See you guys tomorrow on Discord as we spend some time in prayer. Love y'all. Peace out. <laughs>